Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. I'm just going to read a scripture to us this morning. I'd like you to join in with me. It's in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 12. We're going to read this and... Yeah, then we're going to continue into our conversation. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads, where are we going? The heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra, the teacher, to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout all the towns in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees, from myrtles, from palms and shade trees to make temporary shelters as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of their house of of God and in the square of the water gate and the one gate of Ephraim. Water gate is the only source of water Ephraim is fruitfulness, the source of fruitfulness. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. And their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law or the word of God They celebrated the festival for seven days and on the eighth day in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Okay, so we're reading through this. What's happening is the remnant. It's part of the, the people of God. It's what's left over and they're trying to rebuild back into the things of God. In the middle of that, they re-establish the need for the word of God. And it's out of the word of God that they find themselves in this place of awakening and renewal and just coming to a place where they want to say, God, I want what you have for me and we're going to renew our covenant with you. We're going to say, God, it's all about you. It's not about me. And in doing so, when they're reminded of the word of God, what happens is they're reminded that God's people were always meant to, once a year, they were to get together and they were to build some huts. Now, whenever I think of this, I remember the first hut I built. I didn't have a garden growing up. I had a yard and an entry. The entry was the extension of my yard. And I used to play in there and I could have found an old door and you put it over a corner of a couple of walls. And it wasn't an old door over a couple of a corner of walls. It was a hut. It was a den. Now, I know there's a mixture of classes in this room, so perhaps marquee, gazebo, would be more your preference. Um, you no, know, but the, the principle's still the same. It's, it's this temporary house. Now, God is reminding his people that there's this feast called the Feast of Tabernacle where they were to get together and live in tents. Now, I know as church, we're all about knocking down walls. 
No, we're in this 100 days of prayer, 100 days seeking God to move in awakening and we're working with five different denominations and we're working together. We're all about building our knocking down walls. But this morning, I want us in this room, okay? I want you to listen in. I want you to build some walls, temporary walls, walls at the end of this will start to knock down. So I want you to build a hut. Okay, so where you're sitting, I want you to build yourself a little hut. So these guys, they got some branches, they got some palm trees, they got some of those things. We don't have many palm trees knocking about here, but let's, you know, for those who are thinking, I'm not roughing it, not even for God. It's, I, just imagine it's, it's a nice canvas tent, okay? Let's go for a tent. Um, we want to go for something temporary. So where you're sitting, okay, I want you to see this. So I want you to close your eyes. Can you do that for me? I know this is always dangerous in church. Uh, there's a few people right now have just fell asleep. Straight away. The moment you close your eyes, let's pray. Let's close your eyes. Let's worship. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so let's close your eyes. And what I want you to do is start to build a hut around your life. Okay, where you're sitting. So it's temporary. It's made of old branches and sticks and wood. It's, it's the sort of thing that you can find lying around a place. Somebody else is rubbish. You're building yourself this hut. What do you want you to see? It's got three sides. So you've got your back covered. You've got the both sides covered. And then you're going to put a roof. Okay, so I want you to imagine this. You're putting this roof of palm trees or let's just out branches. Things that are never going to keep the rain out. But this is going to be your home. Okay? So for the next sort of 25 to 30 minutes, this is your house. Now you can open your eyes. So this is where you're sitting. And I want you to see what was going on with these people. So they had had this renewal of the word of God. It had reminded them to get back into this place and something that God had put in place for them to remember. And so they built these huts. They get out of their houses. So no, their comfort places, the things that we love and the things that we spend so much time making happen. And no, oh, that wall needs painted again. That room needs painted again. That carpet needs changed. That, no, those places that we spend so much of our time thinking that really matters. And what we do is we get out of there and we put up this temporary hut. Sharon and I bought a tent um, a couple of years ago and we thought, well, I haven't really done this one as a family. So we stuck it up in our back garden. And yeah, I know it sounds a bit strange to some. You're thinking, yeah, we have a perfectly good house. Yeah, I think it's a nice house. Um, but you know what? See, living in a tent, what would have happened is at night it would have been like, let's just sleep in a tent. And we ended up sleeping in this tent for like a week. And it became a, a, incredible because what happened in that tent was we started to spend more time together as a family. We, we started to, you know, uh, the board games came out, the, you know, the phones ran out of battery and you had no charger. And you know what it's like. You know, it's like 15 steps to get a charger. Let's just do without the phone. And, and so you're sitting in this tent and you start to realize what really matters. What really matters. And you see, for these people, the people of God, and for you this morning, we're going to figure out what really matters. So what I want you to do is tilt your head back. Okay, now if you've got a wee sort of dislocated disc in your neck or something, just don't do this one. That's the health and safety claim. So if you tilt your head back, what I want you to imagine is that there's no roof on the building and it's starting to rain because it was rainy season for these guys. So it's starting to rain. You shouldn't be in the tent, you should be in your house. There's a hole in the roof. And so what's going to happen is, well, maybe a bit of that rain's going to come in. It's a cold night. It's a bit of that night sort of sky. 
And then what I want you to see is that as you look through the hole in the roof, you see the stars. Okay, now come back to earth, okay? So you see the stars. And what was to happen was the children of Israel, this remnant was to get themselves into a position where they were to start to remember what it was like for the children of Israel when they were brought out of slavery and brought into the promised land of God. And they were to remember these guys lived in tents. These guys lived in the wilderness. These guys lived in all of those things. But there was something about this moment where they were supposed to look up to the sky and remember. Now I can imagine them remembering. In fact, we know they would have remembered because when you read through in the Nehemiah chapter nine, it gives you some of the things that they would have remembered. But they would have remembered the promise that God made to Abraham. You know, as they looked at the stars, they would have remembered that God said, you know, Abraham, see from you, I am gonna create a nation as broad and as wide and as multiplied as the stars in the sky. And they are gonna be a blessing to the nations of the world. And they'd have been like, whoa, no way. Can you remember that? A guy on his own looking up at the stars with God and God making a covenant and saying, these things are gonna happen. And now look, we are that nation. Look what God's done. And that's looking back, but they also would have looked forward. And this was part of the process. They would have looked up and they would have thought, okay, God, you've done that. Now we are trusting that you're gonna bring a Messiah, a savior in the future. And they would have lay in those huts and they'd have gone, God, you've been faithful in the past. God, you're gonna be faithful in the future. God, you've done that in the past. You're gonna bring us a savior, a rescuer. Oh, you're gonna bring us a Jehovah in the future. And so I want us to fast forward because they, those guys didn't get to see what we see. Uh, can you imagine? So what we believe, some people believe, many people believe, it's hard to get the exact date, is that Jesus was born around the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, he wasn't born the 25th of December. That was just a thing that church did. Um, but he was born around this Feast of Tabernacles. And, and if that's the case, can you imagine all of these people lying on their backs, you know, sitting in their chairs, looking up through the sky? God, will you send your Messiah? And then these shepherds in a field, the next thing, boom, angels arrive. Glory to God in the highest, peace towards men on whom my favor rests. And then in this moment, it's like, whoa, no way. The Messiah has come. Can you imagine two years after that? No, these wise men. Look, there's a star. That's a king's star. I'm gonna follow that star because it's gonna lead to the king of the Jews. And they go and, and, they, and they're led to it. Can you imagine this group of disciples standing 33 years later at the foot of a cross looking up going, Jesus, we've been trusting for this Messiah, and now he's dead. But it's not long after where the same disciples are watching him going up into the sky. And the promise comes from the angel, the same way he went up is the same way he will come. So this morning, I want us to look up. I want us to remember <laughs> I want us to remember God's faithfulness. You see, the sort of things that they said about God was that he had been faithful 
So the sort of things they said were, God, you've kept your promises. And so we're in our tents and we're looking up, has God kept his promises? Uh, Let's make this a two-way conversation this morning. Has God kept his promises? Has God kept his promises? There is a song, I was going to get the guys to play it, but I'm I'm going to leave it and we'll we'll get somebody to sing it some morning. And And it's this song, and I can remember looking up to the sky. My brother had been left in a builder's yard for dead And I can remember getting a call saying he was in hospital and I can remember going to the hospital and my brother wasn't a follower of Jesus and and, and just everything and every emotion was going through my head and I can remember looking up to the sky and going, God, where are you? I went home and somebody had given me a video. I know, Google what a video is if you're struggling, but... So a video, and I remember putting it on, and it was a song. And this song had been written by a pastor called Carol, Jim and Carol Simbala, who, who lead a church called Brooklyn Tabernacle. And what was happening in their world was that their daughter had just gone AWOL. She had gone off the rails. And they're the pastors and they're like trying to hold everything together and they're worried about their daughter. And in the middle of this, Carl gets told she's got cancer. And she's lying in a hospital, on a hospital bed, freaking out and worrying. I'm using these words deliberately about her daughter because if you're a parent, you get it. And in the middle of this, she's been told she's got cancer. And she starts to sing this song. And she started to write this song about God being faithful. Now, I only heard that part later on. The first time I heard it, it was sang by a wife who had looked at her husband, Calvin. Calvin was a middle-class, successful guy who got hooked on crack cocaine. He ended up living in a dog kennel and, and, and the church one night were having this prayer meeting and they're praying and something in them started to cry out for Calvin. Calvin, Calvin, come to Jesus. Calvin, come out of that dog kennel. Calvin, get your life back. Break that addiction in the name of Jesus. And they started to declare the goodness of God in the prayer meeting. And the next thing, Calvin walks in through the door and Calvin walks to the front And Calvin kneels on his knees and goes, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I am watching his wife sing this song about God being faithful. Now the latest recording of this song was recorded by a girl who asked permission of Carl to record it because, well, her son had died and she couldn't find any other words but the words that were written about how God was faithful. I want us to look back for God's for faithful. Now think of those moments, those moments when we couldn't pray. Anybody had those moments? Those moments when you, you're trusting and clinging on to the grace of God like nothing else. When you, oh, you know you should read your Bible, but you just can't. Those moments when you hit the wall, and I'm not talking about, no, you just like, boom, oh. I'm talking about, it's like the wall comes 100 miles an hour and just hits you in the head, Boom. 
those moments when God has been faithful. Because what the purpose of sitting in the hut is, it's looking back and saying, God, you have been faithful. And God, in this moment of my life, I declare you will be faithful. And I know that your promises will come to pass and you will be faithful. And it's in the moment of the hut. So we're building a hut this morning and I want us to look back. And well, they declared, you have made a name for yourself. And I love this. I find it really weird that God would link his reputation with me. Now, I can't do anything to take away from God. God is God. He'll always be God. He'll always be King. He'll always be Lord. But there's something about the way I live that actually represents him well or actually diminishes his name. I find that incredible. And I used to carry this as such a burden. Anybody else been there? It's like, whoa, you know, it's like, oh no. I thought I thought. No, I shouldn't kill them. No, I shouldn't. No, anger, stop. But what I've realized is that the, the reputation of his name for the people of God is that when they fall, he is gracious to pick them back up. That he is long in his suffering with us. That he is kind and he is merciful and he is good that he will pick us back up. That's the reputation of our God. See, when we look up, we realize, oh God, you've picked me up loads. Whoa. I wouldn't be here the day if you'd never picked me up. Like many times you're going like, God, I can't do this anymore. God, I don't know where to turn. God, what's going on? God's like, it's okay. In your moment of need, when your moment when you, your legs are just buckling underneath you, I, I'll carry you. Because that's our God. The last thing that they declared was, You have kept your covenant love. <laughs> Is there anybody in this room this morning just loves that you're loved? You know, I love that I'm loved. I, I love that I'm loved by my wife. I love that I'm loved by my family. I love that I'm loved by all of those things. But honestly, I love above all that I'm loved by God. And no matter what I do, he keeps loving me. He might not always love what I do. We said that last week, didn't we? That the, the presence of God's grace is just a, a manifestation of his love. It's not an acceptance of our sin. But he keeps loving us. He never stops loving you. This morning, is that not good news? And I just love, I heard, I heard a guy preach recently in an African church and he was like, is there a testimony in the house? And everybody's like, yeah! <sighs> is there anybody in this house thinks it's good to be loved by God? Yes. Try with a little bit of a higher pitch there. Yeah! <sighs> See, when we look up, we realize that God has been faithful. Back into our hut, okay? So we're looking up. And now we realize that there's not many other directions we can look. You're in a hut. It's solid on this side, it's solid on that side, and it's solid here. And I just love that because you can't look back. Okay, so you got it? There's no looking back. Let's not look back this morning. 
No, <laughs> let's not get distracted to our left or to our right. There's only a couple of ways we can look when we're in this hut. Well, one of the ways we've got to look is in. And when we read through the people of God and we read through the, the awakenings of the people of God throughout scripture, we see these patterns. You know, Josiah in 1 Kings, we read how that he says these things. He says, whenever he realized and he became king and he realized just how corrupted the people of God were, we're told that the priest and the prophet and the least and the greatest all came together. In other words, everybody was guilty of something. And then what we're told, he went to the high places, he went to the low places, he went to the north, he went to the south, he went to the east and the west. He went to every corner because somewhere in there, there was a little bit of corruption. And what I've realized is that every one of us has something that we need to allow God to search in us. We had the 100 days of prayer launch in the city hall this week and anybody was there, it was incredible. And I love these God coincidences too where 500 plus people gather to pray that we would get a government restored in Stormont. An obvious coincidence. And I'm looking forward to more of these coincidences as we pray. Um, but I sat beside another pastor and he prayed for me. And it was one of those moments you know, somebody prays for you and you're like, and we all know where we're coming from. He's one of the guys on board with the, the, the vision of 100 days. And we said as leaders, first of all, we want to search our own hearts. Now, before we ask someone else to search ours, we've got to search ours. And so in that sentiment, he puts his arm around me and he goes, Stephen, can I just pray with you? Absolutely. He puts his arm around me and he goes, God, would you just reveal any sin in Stephen's life that he's not aware of? <laughs> I'm like, and it's like, hey man. Like, where's the good stuff? You know, pray like God will bless me, God will multiply my ministry, God will multiply my anointing, God will do all those things. No. Secret sins. <laughs> the stuff he's not aware of, the attitudes that he doesn't know that is a sin before you, would you just reveal them to him? Wow. Oh, pastor, I never sinned. Remember those days years ago when pastors didn't sin? <sighs> you see, in this hut, I find myself alone with God. And when we look up, we see the goodness of God and we're told that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. It's strange. See, the goodness of God looking up it causes us to look in. And if we're truly going to be an awakened people, pastor, whatever position you hold, from, the, from the, the least to the greatest, from the priest to the prophet, whatever position you hold in life, if we're truly going to see an awakening of the Spirit of God in this land, we've got to allow God to search us in the north, the south, the east, the west, in every corner of our lives, the highest to the lowest. 
and be prepared to pray that kind of prayer. God, search me. Do you want to know what came into my heart whenever the guy prayed? None of your business. You have your own stuff to worry about. <laughs> no need to worry about mine. <sighs> so they looked up. Because of the inspiration of the word of God, because the word of God is always what sparks a move of God. We've got to understand that. No, if you've got a dusty Bible, the, life, the reality is you've probably got dry faith. That's just... It's the one. The word of God is not just about filling our heads. It's about directing our feet and our paths. It's about so much more. And so these people are inspired by the word of God to take this time to remember and declare God's faithfulness in the future, to declare God's faithfulness in the past so that they can face and take on whatever is in their present knowing that God will be faithful now. In doing so, they look inward and we're told that they repent. They confess. But what I always find interesting about these awakenings of scripture, now read through First and Second Kings, read through Ezra and Nehemiah. They're good starting points to get a little bit of a cycle of what's going on. What I also find always interesting is that they pray not just for their sins, but they pray and confess the sins of their nation. And when I'm in this hut, I can look up, I can look in, and there's a door in front of me that I can look out. Now, I can't say sorry to God for someone else and they be forgiven. In case you're wondering what's going on, no, I'm not saying that in any way. But if God hates sin, there should be something about his people that should be moved and mourn in the presence of it. And I think that's the greatest challenge that we're going to face in this generation of church. Because we are conditioned in a way that, whoa, do you know, honestly, this generation thinks they're the most free generation that's ever been put on the planet. No. You are the most conditioned, algorithm-driven culture that has ever been put on earth. You think you've got freedom, but somebody else is controlling your thoughts. You look at a video of a builder online dropping bricks on his apprentice. And the next time you go online, there'll be 20 videos of a builder dropping bricks on his apprentice for you to laugh at. If I look at your algorithm now, and on it there are images of... And you're like, oh, I can't believe that popped up there. <gasps> it's not by accident. It's because you've created an algorithm. 
You, you live in, we live in a condition, we're all watching the same things. Because of the internet, we're all told what 10 books we must read. We're all been re- listening to the same five preachers. We're all, we are being conditioned. And in that conditioning, sometimes we don't realize we're asleep. Um, I'm going to come to a conclusion and I think something we can all agree on in this room is that we are glad Adolf Hitler didn't win the war. Okay, so, okay, so no controversy. It's amazing what's not controversial. No, we've all got sin in our hearts. We're not sure Adolf Hitler didn't win the war. Praise God. Um, But we're sort of glad of that, aren't we? So when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about in the light of, oh, I wish he had won. But how did he feel? We've all heard of the D-Day landing, haven't we? So on the, during the D-Day landing, Adolf Hitler was lying in bed sleeping. He was aware that the Allied forces were going to invade. And he was aware of their invasion, but he was unaware of his weakness, which was pride. And as they are invading, he is sleeping. And because he was sleeping and none of his generals were brave enough to wake him up, the Allied troops got a foothold and turned the whole tide of the war. And we're glad about that. But I want us to apply that to our world. See, sometimes we can be aware of the enemy that's invading our lives, but we can be so filled with pride that we can be aware of the invasion, but not aware of our weakness. We can surround ourselves with people who are too afraid to tell us to wake up. And by the time we figure it out, the tide has turned. Well, I believe as a pastor, a leader, I'm not going to shout through it, so don't worry. The part of my responsibility is to declare to myself to wake up. But I have responsibility to declare into this room, awake. The image was chosen of a megaphone because it's to do with emphasizing our voices. It's about making it greater and taking it further. And we believe in Jesus Christ that can be the case. But it starts in this room, awake. So back in our hut, we'll look up, we see the faithfulness of God. He's been faithful, he'll be faithful. Oh, he's gonna be faithful. No matter what you're facing now, God is gonna be faithful. Come on, hear it in the room. I know some of your situations. I know people have buried people they love this last week. There are people in this room who have had been shocked to their core, but I declare to you that God is faithful. You may not feel it at the moment, but he has been and he will be because it is his reputation. He has declared it and he will keep his reputation. He's not like your mates. He's not like the guy down the street who says, I'll call in next week and doesn't bother. No, he will do what he has promised. He's faithful. 
we look in and we see, God, search my heart. And we look out and we see a nation that includes us. That needs awakening. As we read through the story of Nehemiah, it would be wrong of me to finish with this point of like, oh, we're all really bad people <laughs> and God is really good. It finishes with joy. Which is, you can think to yourself, well, hi. Well, it finishes with joy because there is joy in our salvation. All these things might be true, but God's grace covers it all. All these things might be true, but if we ask him to forgive us, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. He he is the one if we call on, he will save us. There is a joy. And and we're meant to have these rhythms in life where we realize God is good and we're like, yeah, come on, God's good. You can't believe it. Is there a testimony in the house? Yeah. We have those moments. And then we're meant to look in and go, and look out and go, but then we look up again. That's about the joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Not the pain of the moment. Not the unfaithfulness of everyone else. Not the sin in our world. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Come on. Who's your strength? Let's try it again. Is there a testimony in the house? Who's your strength? (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Come on, let's, let's try it again here. Because it's the joy of the Lord. I don't want you going out of here this morning thinking, oh, it's about joy. Anybody else got a bit of joy in the room? Yes. You know, if you've been forgiven much, you rejoice much. Yes. Anybody else been forgiven much in this room? Yes. The joy of the Lord is our. Yes. Okay, who's the name above all names? Yes. Okay, has he been faithful to you? Yes. Has his reputation stood true? Okay, let's stand together. And let's, as we stand, let's worship him. Come on. Let's applaud the name of Jesus. Let's celebrate him in this space because he has been faithful and he'll be faithful. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram, at UT Belfast.